during the first half of my life and all during my growing up years as a Presbyterian, the last thing I ever would want to be would be a revivalist. The last thing I was interested in was revivals. Um, it seemed to me that people who identified themselves as revivalists were uneducated, kind of marginal people. Uh, they, 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 they're probably not good at much of anything, and so they end up being a revivalist. Um, they aren't good at going to seminary or going to school, and so they end up just pitching a tent and preaching the gospel. But um, they're not really the kind of people I would go around with. And so I've never had an interest in revivals. I've never had an interest in being a revivalist or any such thing. And yet here, I've spent the last 36 years of my life writing about revivals and what's happened during these uh, seasons of time that we call Great Awakenings and Revivals of the Past. Um, and it's obvious, I would think, that something happened to me <laughs> in the process of, of uh, learning about and studying and researching revivals that's uh, totally changed my evaluation to the point now where, honestly, I think there's very little that is more worthwhile than praying for a revival and seeing it happen. And the reason why I've changed my attitude about this, well, God changed my attitude about this, because now I see that the main thing about a revival is not the people who are doing it, it's Jesus himself who becomes present at that time. It's a very clear, unique time of the presence of Christ. And I've learned to call these revival tides. Revival then becomes a transformational movement that um, is so good and so uh, re re restorative to what is good in us and in our societies, in our nations, that there's really very little else that compares to it for the power to improve things on earth. So let me give you just a few of the examples uh, or the, the ingredients of that goodness that I see that have happened again and again and again during Revival Tides and why I really believe in revivals today. And all whatever you do, uh, uh, whatever is needed, uh, it's worth doing if, if it leads to a Revival Tide. Okay, so first of all, in Revival Tides, they're always a back-to-the-Bible movement. It's, it's like societies move away from the Bible. We just do. We always do. It seems like the Bible, apart from the Holy Spirit, gets to be a kind of a irrelevant book written a long time ago uh, by people who believe that sort of thing. And uh, anyone with a head on their shoulders wouldn't believe that stuff today. And that's the way natural human beings see the Bible, by and large. Oh, we have a, 
we have a, a maybe a a reputation in our mind that the Bible should belong to this high class of books. Um, after all, it's it, it's the most published book in the world, and it's got this long history of reverence. And but when it comes right down to facts, uh, we really don't read it. We don't respect it. We don't think it's got much for us today. Um, almost anything would be worthwhile before reading the Bible would be. But then a revival tide comes. Suddenly, people people are, are renewed and reacquainted with the Bible because the, the Holy Spirit makes the Bible relevant. And it, it's because the Bible is the vision statement of God for the human race. And if it's the vision statement of God, the creator who created the human race, the Holy Spirit then brings back the awareness, the, the sense of conviction and, and appreciation for the Bible as the revelation of the kingdom of God. And that's what unites the Old Testament with the New Testament, by the way. It's a progressive revelation of more and more and more of the heart of God for a king who brings a kingdom. And we see that beginning clear back with Abraham, and it just goes right on through to the book of Revelation. The kingdom of God. So then, going on from there, Jesus, in Revival Tides, opens up classrooms that bring a fresh perspective every Revival Tide. And it's a new perspective of some new part that the body of Christ has either twisted or forgotten. And he's bringing back to key leaders of the church those forgotten parts of the Bible and the biblical vision, the kingdom vision. So, for example, uh, in my book, I show uh, uh, how free grace came back in as an important part of the gospel. The gospel of free grace, which you can't earn, it's a free gift, um, preached by George Whitfield. George Whitfield, at a certain time, became the leader above all the others who managed to get this teaching worked back into the church so that large numbers of Christians began to see it and rejoice in it. Free grace. There's the baptism with the Holy Spirit, um, long, long time neglected. But Charles Finney began to preach a baptism with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people didn't think it was very good preaching, but uh, uh, the next revival tide comes and you have more people. It's a, it's a sense of, uh, of a growing need because Jesus is bringing that need to awareness of Christians. And more and more people are then having to Go back and look, take a fresh look at this part of biblical promise. How could we miss that all these years? And suddenly it's becoming real because the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and putting it in our hearts again in a very fresh way. 
you, there's just so many things like the, the role of a restored Israel or the return of Jesus in a millennial reign, things of that sort that have been left behind and then the Holy Spirit comes, you, you, need to, you need to rediscover this piece of it. I know your, your ancestors didn't believe in this, but the Holy Spirit is saying, take a fresh look at this and make sure you're not missing something. Or Jesus plays no favorites is another class that I describe in my, my book. Uh, there were a lot of people started out with the Romans were the, the ones that were the favored. And then the white race was favored. But we've had to learn uh, from Acts chapter 10, what Peter learned, God plays no favorites. No, none, zero, zilch. There is nothing of favoritism in the heart of God. And we've had to recognize that. So it's during revival tides that God has brought that back into being. And the church has had to re realize, oh, we, we, we've made a mistake here. Um, God does not play favorites. So there's uh, these seasons of revival that become classrooms of the Bible. And, uh, and, and people then start spreading out these forgotten doctrines or untwisting doctrines that have been there but just twisted. And he, the Holy Spirit, is using the revival tide as a classroom. Then there's individuals gain mantles during revivals in a way that doesn't happen at other times quite as strongly. In other words, Jesus has a mantle for people. Uh, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we might walk in, in, in those good works. But during revival tides, wow, the, uh, the mantles become extremely hard to ignore. Um, people get mantles who, who well, I, I just think of some of the mantles of, of that people wore to get rid of the, of the slave industry. Um, they, they were devoted and dedicated in, in a way that you just can't explain except that Jesus made him do it. You know, Jesus has assigned a mantle and an identity. There's something he wanted to get done, and they were the ones who are assigned to do it, and they did it. And that's the kind of thing that happens during revival tides. I kind of hope to show that in my book. Nations can get identities during revival tides, and that's that's what happened in Scotland, for example. During their third revival tide in 1638, they actually signed a national covenant with Jesus. And uh, <laughs> Jesus had a destiny for Scotland. And then the, the, the whole concept of revival transferred from Scotland right over to America and and the and the Scottish people are really the ones. If you look at history, they're really the ones who burst this whole concept of a revival tide, and it 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 crossed the oceans. And it's it's been pursued by Presbyterians with that kind of destiny in their in their lineage, 
just over and over and over again, um, even when uh, so many Presbyterians lost that revival vision, God has kept it alive among some. Um, anyway, Scotland has, has had a kind of a national destiny. And America also. Some people talk about American exceptionalism. And I believe it. But it's not because we had these great saints coming here from Europe uh, at the beginning. It's because God has poured out revival tides in this nation, the United States of America, since before we were formed as a nation. So we've had revival tides. We're the only nation that's had a consistent pattern of revival tides from before we were even formed as a nation. And that's what makes us exceptional. So God does give destinies to nations as well as destinies to individual leaders. Well, there's another thing that, that God does, and he, he wipes out sin industries during revival tides in a way that doesn't happen at other times quite so dramatically. And I've tried to show how God used revival tides to wipe out slavery, both in Britain and in America. Well, those are just some of the, of the things that happened during revival tides has totally changed my appraisal of what is a revival and is it worth praying for? And so I want to encourage you at this time to devote yourself to seeking revival in our day and age. Wherever you may be located, it is a good thing uh, if God would pour out a revival for you and your people, your city, your county, and your country.